what are you working towards? If you want to be a star, you're not working on the craft, really. You're working on something else. You have a whole different mindset, and the way you approach things is a bit more. Look, being a star is a great thing, uh, but, you know, if you look at some of the stars who aren't great comedians, you will see right now it's exposed. They get exposed. They're extremely insecure. They're the ones that don't want you to open for them because they are insecure. So you know how you prevent all of that? Be good. Welcome to the Underground Comedy Podcast with Sean Joyce. For more information about our live shows, check out undergroundcomedydc.com. Hey, what's up? Thanks for checking us out. If you're in the D.C. area this weekend, we've got D.C.'s Best Showcase at Big Hunt on Friday featuring Stavros Halkius. There won't be any shows at Big Hunt on Saturday due to Halloween stuff, but we will have shows both nights at D.C. Draft House where Emma Willman will be headlining. You can get tickets and info on the website. Also this week, if jokes aren't your thing and you're more into just listening to me talk, I will be at a panel discussion about D.C. comedy on Wednesday night at the W Hotel as part of Benson Ball. The other panelists are Allison Jaffe from DC Improv, Matthew Weiner from the Kennedy Center, Rudy Greenberg from the Washington Post, and Svetlana Legetic from Benson Ball. You can make a free reservation to that through the Benson Ball website. Our guest today is Marina Franklin. Marina has appeared on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, Conan, and Chappelle Show. In this episode, she talks about when to not follow your gut, being a star versus being a great comic, and what it was like when she was recently diagnosed with breast cancer. started comedy in New York City because I didn't know I wanted to do comedy until I left Syracuse where I went to graduate school for acting. So I actually started with wow, theater. Wow, grad school for acting. Yeah, MFA. Wow. It sounds, it sounds fancy. It does. And I can ride that fancy pony if you want to, but the, the reality is it, they just needed money. And they wanted a graduate program, and it, it was not working. Yeah, <laughs> you're saying that it wasn't worthwhile. It was it not. Wasn't well, the experience was worthwhile, but, but the, the program yeah. was not great. Like, I, got, I really was in the undergraduate program for acting, which was good. What did you stu study for undergrad? So in undergrad at University of Illinois, I was a psych major. Cool. And then I had, but I wanted to major in theater, but... Mm -hmm. My dad was like, there's no way. You were being too responsible. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to get a job, you know, from majoring in theater. And you couldn't really major in theater at U of I anyway. So I, I just took as many theater classes as I could. Yeah. And then one of my theater professors told me that I should go to Syracuse because there was an artistic director uh -huh. that was amazing. His name was Taswell Thomas. Yeah. Arena Stage is here, right? Yeah. In D.C.? Yeah, yeah. So Taswell Thomas... Taswell Thompson, Taswell Thomas. Oh God, I can't remember. But he was here at Arena Stage. He was one of the first, maybe the only black artistic directors. I don't yeah. know what happened to him, but he went to Syracuse at Syracuse Stage and all of the actors from New York City were coming that way. And she said, this would be a good opportunity, not for just the program, but just to meet that guy and work with him. Cool. And and what did you was it? Yeah, I worth did. It? I worked with him. I mean, like the graduate program was kind of defunct, and that's why I'm saying I got the most actually out of their Syracuse's undergraduate yeah. program. So it was like basically, you know, you're getting the theater experience that you didn't get. Yeah, you kind of got. Yeah, you kind of got what you were looking for, but not perfect. Yeah, because graduate kind of, you know, when you when you hear a master's in theater. Yeah. 
it sounds like I should have a like a like I should be writing a, a book. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like you should be a professor. A historical thesis. Yeah, yeah. And I did have a thesis. What was it? I just didn't finish it. What was the topic? Civil War. The Civil War? Yeah. Is I went and did a Civil War reenactment um, by accident. Civil War reenactments are generally sketchy. Oh, God, yes. And I didn't know I was on the Confederate side because I didn't know the colors. I think that they, <laughs> like, I don't think there's a lot of reenactments for the for the North. I think the South is the no, one doing there. all the reenactments. I know that they have them. When but ain't nobody showing up. Yeah, I think saying? the, yeah, I think the, uh, if you, like, the percent of reenactments in the South as compared to the North, it's got to be. Ain't too many Yankees. People are, uh... They don't think about it a lot in the north, but there's they hold on to it in the south. Well, we traveled. My professor at Syracuse, who was in charge of my thesis, right, um, was actually not an acting teacher. He was part of the tech staff there. Okay. He did all the design and stuff. Like, you had to get a course in design and lighting and all right, that. Right, right, sure. So he was a hardcore reenactor. No one knew this until he decided to sh- do a show about the Civil War. Voices of the Civil War. That's what it was called. And he wanted a perspective from uh, all points of views because what I didn't know was because he was a hardcore Confederate Mm reenactor. And I didn't realize that until we were we we started loading the car. And I noticed that there was not a lot of blue. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then I was like, wait a minute. Who am I supposed to play? You know? Yeah. And then he was like, oh, you know, it's it's going to be, you're just going on the regiment. You're going to hang out while we fight the war and stuff. And I was like, hang out how? Yeah. <laughs> like hanging. Slaves don't just hang out. Yeah, they be working. Yeah. Am I going to be working? So what happened was it was to give me the experience behind the character that I was going to eventually portray on stage. So it was uh-huh. giving me, like, the actor's work behind that. And it, it did help. So you think it was a worthwhile exercise? Yes, it was. I mean, a lot of people are like, no, that's crazy. Because it does sound crazy. Yeah. No, it is. it was crazy. And when I look back at it, I do know the pers- how it's you know, a lot of people, when, I, when I've talked about it before, they're like, Marina, yeah, are you the, okay? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but all you really did was, it sounds like I did stuff. All I did was hang out like camping. Yeah. I went to I went to a reenactment. It was called a muster. It wasn't they didn't reenact a fight. It was like I guess when like different uh, little groups of fighters get together in one place. I guess that's how it worked in the Civil War. And so they would kind of get together and they would like march down the street and like play the drum and stuff. And so um, a guy I used to work with when I got a job in D.C., um, one of the first people I met, he was like, oh, yeah, you know, I do this like every month. We have a thing. You should come out to it. Mm-hmm. It was in Leesburg. And, you know, my girlfriend at the time, we're like, OK, yeah, sure. You know, we'll come to it. And then we're like, yo, I think this is Confederate stuff. <laughs> like when we got there and we were like, yeah. this is so weird. Those are the ones those they're the ones who want to remember. Yeah, because, you know, they feel like the history and i actually you know what as controversial as this point that i'm about to make is i do believe it's true is that history was written by the winners 
Yeah, definitely. Of course it is. Of course it is. And I do feel like even though I may not agree with you and I may not like what happened, I do want to hear all sides of the story because what we need to hear, we need to know all sides of the story so it doesn't happen again. Yeah. You can't blind your eyes from it. So, um, you know, and I had a problem with my professor because he said specifically to me, do not do abolitionists. I was like, what? what? Yeah. He goes, we, want, we don't want this to be a political um, presentation. We just want honest views from people who were living during that time. I go, and those didn't come from abolitionists? Yeah, I, I, right. I had a really big, I remember the feeling in my gut, and I was very young. I was like 20, I know you think I'm 20, in my 20s, right? <laughs> but I was like 24, 25. I was pretty young yeah. to be trying to understand this man and I, I remember when we came back from the trip a lot of the Syracuse students were really upset yeah that it sounds upsetting the acting students I'm surprised like, I'm what su I'm surprised at how open to it you are I'm always open to things that a lot of people wouldn't be yeah or take any I'm sort of like the Martin Luther King <laughs> of comedy <laughs> is that what you are <laughs> <laughs> No, because I am. That on your website. Uh, I am open to a lot of things, and it does get me in trouble for being so open. But especially now, yeah, you know, more, more, and more. Yes. As as we go forward, Ella DeGeneres, she's in trouble. Yeah, it really is. And uh, I, d I agree think about, with her. What do you think about? You agree with Ellen? You yeah. Think, you think that people are they're drawing too hard of a line? They don't know her. Yeah. And you know. Piling on people comes on all sides. No one's innocent in it. Mm -hmm. Liberals, Republicans, conservatives, sure, sure. not conservative. Everyone's piling on and they need to they need to take a second and step back and go, do you really know that person? And, and do you do you care really about humans? OK, so I mean, if we go back to what all of this is really about is about, you know, the sanctity of human kindness and just letting people be what they are right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so i don't know ellen yeah and um i'm not going to speak for th for that community but i know that i have at times stood next to people that people really disagree with right but i like them they get along with me i get along with them uh -huh. and i just know them as a person yeah it's really tough when someone is nice in person and they're a nice person, but they have done bad things in the past. And Bush has done a lot of bad things. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I do look at him as probably the most ridiculous person who's done things that I don't agree with of all the people. He just More ridiculous than Donald Trump? E who? George Bush. No. Jo Trump trumps it. Oh, of course. Of <laughs> he course. trumps all He's assholeness. Yeah, 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 He's yeah, a piece totally. of shit. But, the, but J Bush Jr., there's something about him that's tragic, and it's that he's not that bright. You can sense he's not that bright, and you feel like that's his whole thing. It, it, you you see now from Trump that it's this office is fake, and that people are being put in these roles because they are um, generationally wealthy and have uh, oh what, sure. what do you call that? Um, le um, legend. Wait, what is it? What's oh, the legacy. Legacy. Legacy Thank status. You. Thank God for this young generation of millennials or else I wouldn't know that term. But yeah. yes, legacy status. Yeah, I think there I think that's seems like it's probably gonna go away, the legacy admissions to colleges because 
once you once it's out in the open you you see how ridiculous it is and and how it's it's not a good if you're going to put education at the center of development for for people in our society then Be you can't have fair. this system where you're just letting people who were rich before send and it's their kids everywhere it's not just in college no, i know it's in the entertainment industry oh it's everywhere it's everywhere, everywhere business where this like we're helping our our own or people we know or people who have made you know and so i think george bush jr did a lot of things that were extremely hurtful uh to this to us but i do find like i think he's too dumb to know what he did <laughs> yeah yeah i mean and he seems like he seems like I, I think Megan Kane said it best on the view. And I, I'm, that's the last time I'll say that, um, yeah, that geez. she said it best. But because she does sound annoying at times. But I think I she, she's, she's pretty said, bad. man. And she, can I say this? Can I say this? Wait, one more thing. Um, but I will say, like, I wonder what his politics are now. That's probably more of the point that should be made about ellen and him hanging out than ellen just hanging out like has he changed in any way in his views has he grown as a person i you know i did see somebody say that wh which i i f he this somebody was like uh it was a, a journalist said you know it would be interesting to actually get him on the record right now to defend it or or at least comment on all of the policies that he was involved in that were a problem at the time but it, and it, it's a lot of policies and it, it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of bad stuff. I mean, I, I think I think what like society's trying to figure out now is like, how do you deal with people that did bad stuff in the past? Like, are they outcasts forever? And it, it, it seems like there's definitely a group of people that want society to be divided into people that are OK. And then if you do something bad, then you're kicked out and you're shunned. And that's why people are attacking ellen because they're like this guy's got to be shunned because yeah, he did bad stuff culture. yeah um i think that there's a rational thought process behind that i don't know if it's good or not what shunning yeah i don't think it's rational to shun i don't well, think those two things go together it's kind of like because when you shun someone you don't you, you don't want to hear from them you don't want to know and you're also put making yourself this uh a god. Hmm. And I think that's the problem today, actually. I don't like shunning people. I don't like cancel culture. Yeah. I hate it. Because as much as I disagree with someone, mm -hmm. um, I don't know if my opinion I don't I don't state my opinions as facts. Of course. They're my opinions. Sure. So my opinions don't put someone else in jail. Yeah. They shouldn't, right? So the thing is is like the hugging of the 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 white uh, woman in Dallas was that Dallas and the judge hugging the woman oh who yeah shot yeah the innocent you yeah know, yeah yeah goes into the apartment kills a Haitian uh, man a black man mm -hmm. who's just sitting on his couch eating ice cream and then the young son hugs him and the but judge the reason that resonated so much is because it's what we're not doing right now forgiveness yeah. Because, you know what, uh, um, you may not believe in forgiveness. That's your opinion. That's your right. But forgiveness is is huge. It's important. Yeah. It makes it's makes you a better person. Yeah, it's a fundamental part of being a person. And I think 
when I don't forgive, me personally, this is how you have to talk nowadays. Yeah, you, that's right. Just I'm just speaking for me. Um, me personally, when I forgive, I let go. When I don't forgive, I hold on. Yeah, that's right. Now, whether that person opposite of me understands that or not is not my problem. That's f- and but I let go of it and I put that on them. And that's their prison. Yeah, right? that's now, right. Now, whether they come back and they learn from it, that's that's you know, hopefully. Hopefully. But that's why I don't know. <laughs> that's why George Bush is like I just I do want to know, like, where do you stand now? Like, do you feel like some of the choices you made were bad choices? Do you realize how much you hurt people when you didn't do stem cell research? Mm-hmm. When you didn't continue when you signed that into law, you know, you hurt a lot of people who were uh, dying from cancer. That's what you did. So the thing is, is like. We don't have enough room for that anymore, and that's not a good thing. Well, it's all I mean, I, I think part of it, too, is like. Well, you also you you started an unnecessary war that caused millions of people to die, and in the p- while you were doing it, also had a secret torture system. That's you know it's very disturbing on a human level. It's also like really bad example for the country to set for the rest of the world. We're supposed to be a good country. And uh, we you, never you know, That's no, myth. I know, I, I know the ideals are to be a good country, right? Yeah. Isn't the idea is like we should continue to progress. We have a democracy as people's opinions change. The laws will change. Things will get better. And, you know, continually we're doing bad stuff. And uh, I think some of that stuff is so, so bad and like potentially criminal that I think it does. There is a question of, of locking him up. Oh, absolutely. There's a mm-hmm. question of locking him up mm-hmm. and there's a question of forgiving him both. You know, those right. are kind of separate. I don't really like the idea of like it's a, I don't really feel very satisfied, like putting people in jail like that doesn't. I'm like, I don't like celebrate like if, if someone has to go to jail, even even if they you know did something terrible. Mm-hmm. I, like it's kind of I don't know. It, it's kind of like a barbaric system. Yes. Um and then you know forgive what, el- what else would you we do just well i think that well you, well, you can work, use I well say. you can use jail like as a punishment or or you can use it to there's a lot of people. toilets that need to be cleaned <laughs> what does that mean <laughs> in jail or out there's of jail there's a lot of jobs there's a lot of shit jobs that we need to give away oh you away. think they should do forced labor yeah that's even worse than jail i don't think so at least they're out maybe i don't know yeah but you're putting them to work Got a lot of time to think while you're scrubbing that toilet. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think it's tough. I, I don't I don't toilet think cleaning and then therapy right after. Yeah, <laughs> therapy. I'm totally in favor of forced therapy. Yeah, I, I think I would have had some joy seeing <laughs> George Jr. scrub a toilet for a good amount of time. Yeah, it's uh, we'll see <laughs> if we ever get to a point where people kind of at that level are, are held accountable yeah, man, that's the thing. No one's held accountable anymore, are they? Yeah, but it, but and I think that's like you know what what part of the conversation is about. Except for you that know? girl that I kicked out of the show last night. Yeah, I heard about that. What happened? She wouldn't shut the fuck up. Was she drunk? Yes. Yeah, that's all. It's really the only reason why people won't shut up is because yeah, they're drunk. Yeah, no, I knew she was drunk right away. Right away, and it was funny because the she's the new manager. She was like she was heckling. I was like, no, 
There's a difference. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Heckling, heckling, heckling is when you have uh, differences of opinion or, or you don't think I'm funny. She just was drunk and she was just talking. Uh huh. And so when you see someone is like um, not in control of themselves, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. You're no. not going to change them. No, you can't. No. And I said, and, and one thing I don't do is I don't babysit alcoholics on stage. Right. So usually the whole audience was so beautiful because they're like, get her, Marina. Get her. <laughs> once once the audience knows the person's a drunk. Butterfly. Oh, no, it's not a butterfly. What it's is a, it? It's a dead leaf. Sorry. <laughs> Almost. Tell your beautiful. listeners we're in the back of this wonderful historic hotel. Yeah, we are in a real nice setup but a little. Uh, little back patio of the it's hotel isn't it beautiful got a waterfall thank you yeah this you're welcome like, this is why i like you this is yeah <laughs> set me up right yeah that's it's not that hard to make people like you oh you just got to give them nice stuff yeah this uh, is nice yeah <laughs> so how long have you been doing stand-up so i've been doing stand-up for probably 20 years maybe more i lost count um, did you do it consistently the entire time did you ever like stop I only stopped for, you know, once you start this train, yeah. <laughs> it's very hard to get off because you love it. You fall in love with it. Yeah. It's and then too. you have other comics who like kind of bully you when you do. Oh, take yeah. Off. Which is I, I yeah. think that's it's annoying, but it's good, too. They're like, you didn't perform this week. Yeah. So when I first started, like that would be the thing. It's like you got to get up every night. If you're not getting up every night, you're not in this and you don't want to be a part of it. And you're not a comic. And so you're like, well, I I mean, every night. Right. So um, I used to work during the day. I worked at a consulting firm. First, I worked at a a restaurant, IHOP. Classic restaurant. Yes. Well, no, that's not when I did stand up. Um, Jekyll and Hyde. I'm sorry. I went from IHOP to Jekyll and Hyde. So IHOP was when I was a student at U of I. Jekyll and Hyde was when I moved to New York and I needed to make money. And then I started doing comedy. And then uh, Jason Steinberg picked me up as a client and he said, I have a show for you. Okay. And it's opening for Tracy Morgan. And I was so excited. I had my. How far into stand up were you? I was just started. Like a month? Maybe a year. A year, okay. And Jason was like, I got a gig for you. And I was still working at Jekyll and Hyde. Sure. I had to beg my managers if I, you know how hard it is to get off when you're waiting tables? It's so yeah, hard. Yeah, yeah. Being a server and doing I don't know why I'm doing this tough. white girl voice, by the way. I'm like, it's, do you know how hard it is? It is <laughs> so hard. I didn't notice the girl voice coming I out. did. Okay. I've been doing that lately. But I did. I asked them if I. It was like the hardest thing to do, and they let me go. I had my see-through bag, because they didn't trust us as waiters. So we had to have see-through wow. book bags, see-through everything. Yeah, they didn't trust us. They thought we were stealing from stealing the restaurant. Stealing what? Rolls. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like I don't what know. is there to steal? And so yeah, so I, uh, I ran over to the space. I think it was like. Can't remember where it was. Catch a rising star. Oh wow! The last one. It was about to close. Yeah. And I remember going in there and I was so happy and I had yet to perform in front of an all black audience. Oh, this was my first time because I've been doing like nothing but open mics. And most of the open mics had like a, this was a white audience or white comics. It wasn't yeah. like a black scene at all. Yeah. So this was my first ex- and I was so excited. Oh, my God. And nervous at the same time. And they booed me. Really? Yeah, because I ended up going 
after Tracy. What? I don't know how that worked yeah. out. That's, uh, I mean, what are you going to do? I That's impossible. I didn't know at the time that was impossible. I still thought, hey, yeah, I'm yeah. good. Yeah, right. You know, when you start <laughs> off, you have this, like, fake delusion. You have to. That you're actually really good at. Yeah, that you're yeah. maybe better than some of the best. You do. You do. And I think part of that is, like, inside you know you can be better than the best. But you don't realize how far away you are. I did that night. And, uh, yeah. Cause, and I said the wrong things, too. I was saying things like, uh, you know, I haven't performed in front of a black audience yet. And they were like, oh, Lord, mm, yeah. girl, where you come from? You, are you black? What the hell are you yeah, saying that yeah, for? Yeah. I mean, I, all it was was I was nervous and I didn't know what to say. And so the wrong things were coming out. Yeah, of course. And then I got booed. And then I didn't hear from Jason for a little bit because he probably knew I wasn't ready. But you met Tracy that night? I did. And I met Tracy. I met Robin Montague. Cool. Uh, who I love. And I met, uh, who else was backstage? She's, uh, I want to say Dave Edwards. I think it was Dave Edwards. Yeah. Was, uh, was Tracy like, ener like super energetic back then? I yeah. can't imagine him being a young person. Like he's like crazy now. Oh, he was so energetic. I they can't imagine him. being around him when he was like, when he's in his early days, like yeah, it was on fire. Yeah, yeah. The room was on fire. I can't. And, and then, then going after him is just coming to the stage. You've yeah. seen her. <laughs> well, just give your hands she up works for her. at Jekyll and Hyde. I think I still had on my clothes from work. <laughs> That's funny. I think I didn't even know how to dress. Yeah, right. You know, I still yeah. had stains, ketchup stains on my khaki pants. That's how it goes. I still smell like a kitchen. So you've gotten to do like a bunch of TV stuff. Things are like. Since that experience. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that amazing? Did it, how long did it take from like from there to like when you started to like consider like leaving your job and like do, doing stand up like full well, they, time? They told me. I mean, I had several comics tell me. Godfrey was one of them because I went to school with Godfrey at, at um, University of Illinois. So I've known Godfrey like almost more than half my life. It's a good comic to know. Yeah. Um, but I knew him before he was even a comic, really. I knew him when he was a student, you know, and he was always funny. Um, he was always at the center of something, joking around and stuff. And maybe he was a, he was more, he was doing like acting stuff. We used to do, do like acting stuff at U of I. But he, when I saw him in New York City, and I said, Godfrey, I'm going to be a comedian, too. Mm -hmm. And I was all excited. And he was like, look, look slow, slow down. You need to first get to where I'm at before you can talk to me like that. And it hurt my feelings. Okay. But I now I look back and I go, I'm so glad he said it. Because it put things into perspective as far as, like, how much time it was going to take. Yeah. Uh, and then I understood... I, I kept hearing from him and from other people. It really takes like time. And so I was like, all right, six years in, you're still new. It's like day yeah. one. And I was like, it's going to take that long. Come on. You know, and I wanted to rush through. And just like, and now, you know, hear stories about like people like Michael Che, who's like three years and was like huge. But that's sure. rare. Very rare. Very rare. And I would even say at three years in, even he would say he still wasn't the comic. Oh, that definitely. He could of course, be. of course. Um, but he, you know, I it took me six years. So I had it in my mind at six years. Be at, at least at a point where you have someone representing you mm -hmm. and getting you into 
you know, clubs or getting you auditions. Yeah. So, you know, Jason had come back into the experience and he was like getting me out there. And then after that, I knew people would say 10 years. 10 years is when you just start holding the microphone right. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I was like, 10 years? <laughs> 10 years to hold a microphone the correct way? Come on. So 10 years, at 10 years, I felt like they were right. You do feel that way? When you look back on it now, you look and you, you see where you were three years, six years, 10 years. You think it's true. You actually are still progressing and growing. And at 10 years, is you're still, you're still figuring it it's out. It's never over. Yeah, it's at never over. At 20 years, yeah. I'm just now understanding some new things, too. I can't believe... It, t it takes this long. But, you know, there is life. You're not just doing comedy. Sure. There is life that you have to live. And the life informs your act. Yeah. So you don't, you don't work within a bubble. And, and the life also takes break from doing this or maybe making it complete focus yeah. the way it should be. So maybe for some people they get it a lot sooner, right? Mm -hmm. um, but for others, life interrupts art. Yeah. Right. Of course it does. And you got to let it because oh. where are you going to get the material yeah, from? Uh, some stuff might happen over 20 years in your life. Sure. You know, so a thing or two might come up. A thing or two. <laughs> yeah. So you got to you got to give that. And that changes your uh, perspective, yes. your views. Uh, definitely. How you move. Which is good because. How you look. That that makes your comedy more interesting. If you stayed the same over 20 years, if your life was the same and you're the same person the whole time. It would be impossible, I think, to to continue to be interesting and and churn out new material. Absolutely. So yeah, I would say definitely at ten years, I started to get my voice. That's when I went on. Um, actually, no, I went on Last Comic Standing at probably six years in. Mm -hmm. I w that now that was luck. Okay. I'm not, you know, but it that moment informs me about a lot of the decisions I make now. How so? Because like. I didn't want to do Last Comic Standing. Okay. My manager pushed me into doing it. You thought I it was like, like too gimmicky? thought it was too gimmicky. I didn't like competitions. They make me nauseous and sick. Too much. And as I was there and yeah. I was filling out the forms and I was like, I was like, I, I come from the school of theater, right? Where it's like Art. everyone is good at this in their own way and everyone has their own voice. Why is there a competition? Yeah. You know, um, I just thought everyone's art deserves to be respected at its the stage that it's at uh i i don't like competitions in comedy i really despised it and i w i would sit there and we would go up and i was just didn't want to be there and because <laughs> i happened to be killing uh -huh. at that time i had my material just started to click yeah so that's what happens sometimes there's just there are different times you know throughout your career where stuff you write new stuff and it hits and you're just it's you're just hitting a, it was hitting i didn't have much now i thought you were hitting pretty hard last time you were in town oh yeah right before your album yes yeah. that was like i could you, i could feel i could feel it hitting like i was like oh you're kind of you're getting in the you're getting locked in for that yes for that yeah i was in a zone for that and but that was a whole different uh stage and process and oh, way yeah, sure. of thinking sure because the hour right is a different beast in itself of course completely different than doing short sets in a competition yeah it's a i used to be so nervous to do like 45 minutes i remember panicking over like 
20 minutes. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I have. I would be looking at that clock. And I remember talking. Like, I used to open for Tony Woods. Yeah. And I remember looking at that clock. And I, and I would call. I would go back to my hotel room so miserable because I sucked. How far in were you at this time? Uh, I was about four years in, okay. probably like okay. five, maybe like right before Last Comic Standing. Because after Last Comic Standing, and I did well, you know. How I well did you do? I went all the way to Vegas. Okay. So I didn't make it to the house. Okay. But I made it all the way to the finals. This was the controversial one where, like, everyone got upset because they we found out the judges even. Oh, they were getting overruled by they the were producers. Getting overruled by the producers. Yeah. And what the network wanted to cast. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because you always wonder on uh, they cast it on TV shows. You know, you're like, you know, is this real? Is this rigged? And it then, is rigged. And then, like, once you get comics involved, it's like they're gonna blow up your spot, man. They're gonna tell. They're gonna tell people what you're doing. And, and it was. Did. <laughs> yeah, because um, the judges were all comics who were upset about the choices. Right. I remember Brett Butler. Because comics take comedy so seriously, and when you try to mess with it, they just they flip out. Yeah, because it's a hard road. Right. Yeah. And they know no matter how far you go in this business, you don't forget how tough that journey is. Yeah. Especially those comics. You're talking about Brett Butler, Colin Quinn. You know, these are comics who've been around and yes. they've they've really worked hard and hustled. So to see that it's rigged for them to find out it was rigged. Brett Butler was the one who was and Drew Carey. Well, because also the, they're putting their face on top of something that's bullshit. You yes. Know? Yeah. That's like. But it changed my um, path in a good way because eventually I was booked at the comic strip because Lucian, who used to book the comic strip, was like lo- loving me and where I was at. And he was like, she's on fire. So, you know, it's interesting because I think that when you have those bad feelings in your stomach and you're like, this isn't me, this isn't what I want to do. I think a, I think a lot of times it's good to listen to that and follow that, right? If you really feel like this isn't right, I think, you know, I would say if you feel like it's not right, then then don't do it. Well, the, the, the thing is, is this is not true. But yeah, but it turned out that, you know, your manager, it seemed like maybe your manager was right. Yeah, because I think back now and I go, I think now I listen to my gut maybe too much mm-hmm. because I take myself out of stuff. You keep taking yourself yeah, out right. of things just because of that gut feeling. Uh-huh. You also lose out on a lot of opportunities. Right. And, and not always are those opportunities going to come. But I will say if I had not done last time, if I had listened to my gut, I may not have been in the mainstream rooms working. Right. At that. And that right. changed my whole career. And that's and that's why and that's why it can be important to have people giving you advice when you're when you're new because you know you don't have you don't really know you don't have this perspective they can say look you know just do it like you don't like it just do it it's good for you you'll be better off yeah everything will be better for you and so it's it's an interesting lesson that sometimes you know sometimes you listen to your gut sometimes you gotta listen to someone with more experience to get to where you want to go. Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, you just have to be happy with whatever choice you eventually make. But I will say that that one was a it was such a learning experience because I started working the comic strip every weekend after that. Mm-hmm. I was now in in and working the comedy clubs seemed to be so impossible to me in yeah. my head. In my head I thought this is oh my 
God, I'm going on the same stage that Jerry Seinfeld and Chris yeah. Rock. They're up on the wall. That feeling. I don't think I've had that feeling in a long time. Yeah, I, I kind of yeah. miss it, actually. <laughs> yeah, it is uh, that early part of stand-up when you go from doing open mics to doing clubs to, like, opening for people in the theater. Like, those things are so exciting. Yeah. And then you kind of run out of those, like, crazy experiences. Yeah. And you get it. But then you get into doing other things that are cool. But mm-hmm. those, like, yeah, those are neat feelings for sure. When you were uh, doing all those clubs, was it, did you think, I want to be like, did you want to be a touring headliner? Did you want to be on TV? Like, what did you, what did you want to do? I think for me, I just wanted to be better. Mm -hmm. I didn't know the specifics. I didn't know what comedy, I was so used to being a theater person. Yeah. Right? So theater is kind of cut and dry. You get the part, you get cast. Uh, and then you're there, uh-huh. right? Uh, if it's a touring play, that's something. But I didn't really understand the world of how comedy worked, mm-hmm. and I didn't. I, I, and it's not so cut and dry. <laughs> like stand up is, you work at a room, and you might get paid. Ah, <laughs> uh, you might not. Uh-huh. Uh huh. There might be a crowd there. There might be a crowd there. The people who run the whole venue may be good people. Yeah. They may be not. Yeah, they may be terrible That's people. very different from, like, arena stage. Yeah. Or Syracuse stage or this reputable theater. You know, like, I told the girl last night while she was getting thrown out, <laughs> gladfully, she was getting thrown out, was I like, they don't, this doesn't happen for theater audiences no one gets upset with shakespeare's words (laughs) and goes shakespeare shouldn't Mm -hmm. have said that while you're on stage Uh as an actor no it doesn't happen but in comedy so yeah you just the path and where i wanted to go was unclear to me for a very long time because i just but i was lucky to have people like tony woods Mm -hmm. to guide me you know and people like uh keith robinson to guide me yeah Keith was the main mentor. You know, he's the reason, like, you know, Kevin Hart went on the right path. Oh, Wanda Sykes. Oh, yeah. Keith was there, very instrumental in a lot of young comedians' careers and making sure that, I mean, he's a brilliant man in that way where he knows how to make sure you, you're walking the right path. I didn't know that about him. Yeah. If, if he chooses to do that with you, I mean, he, if he likes you and he, you're a good yeah. friend, I mean, there was material that I would do that he would say, are you sure you want to, you sure you want to do that? You need that person. Yeah, it's helpful. Because there's a lot of comics out there not knowing that their material stinks. Right. And and you know those people, right? And then you'll talk to other people about that. I can't believe that guy is still doing comedy. Yeah, and, and I it, always go, has anyone told him? It, and it, it can take you an extra year to figure it out if no one tells you. You you probably figure it out eventually. Eventually, you'll realize, like, whatever you're doing is hacky. But s- someone tells you early on you can cut it out quick and you can mo- you can progress a lot faster. Sure. And you can avoid going down bad paths that are, like, that are not helpful to you. Abs- yeah, so you, you, you want to get a mentor. You don't want to ask for a mentor. Right. Which is something I've noticed these young comics are doing nowadays. They'll get a DM about, I, I'm looking for someone to mentor me. And I was oh, like, really? that's not how it works. Wow, they straight up say they yes. want a whole mentor. I'm, I'm, I would love to pick your brain. 
pick your brain is an annoying phrase. But if you that's don't at know least the person. Yeah. Oh, you don't even know them. No, I don't know them. Yeah. It's like you're picking my brain. No, I don't know you. You get out of my brain. Yeah, I think that, I mean, definitely there's a message out there that for people to be assertive and to ask for things if they want them. And I think that that's good in some ways. You know, I you can't be shy forever and just stand in the corner and wait for but everything. But know when that time is a good time to ask. You you should also be aware of, are you ready? Yeah. Here's a couple of things. You have young comics listening to yeah. your podcast. So they should know this. If you haven't been in front of the comic, why are you asking to get on their show? If they've never seen you, mm-hmm. if they've never seen your work, if you've never even been in the vicinity of that person, yeah, why are you approaching them? To open. To open. You know, I get it. How else are you going to get things if you don't ask? But also have some sense about what that means. Right. So, like... I had someone ask this about opening this weekend. I don't know them from nowhere. I'm, you know, this is Facebook. This is social right. media. I don't know you. Yeah. This is a world of social media where I don't know you. You could be crazy. 50-50 chance of being crazy for sure. And I don't know you and I'm supposed to invest in you and you're going to take up time on my show. It's uh, a lot to ask of you because you're also. At you, least you in have, the clip. You've got your own shows <laughs> to do. And like, you know. You want to have good shows. You want to, like, focus on what they you're doing. That. You're trying to live your life. And it takes energy to uh, – now, you, the person to, if the person's going to come open for you or they're going to do a spot, then you got to talk to them. Like, you, they are asking it's something work. of you. Yeah, it's not – yeah, so – I And I don't I, mind I doing it for people I know. So people I know, people that I've seen coming up, people that I see struggling, that I know, mm-hmm. that need an opportunity, yes. I will do that. You know, like you said, I've, I've had a couple of people this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that I've met that I'm just like, um, uh, I'm happy about seeing where they're going to go. Yeah. But if I don't know you, uh-uh. Yeah. You got to do the work. Yeah. That, and a lot of younger comics don't hear that enough. It's like, um, you are not entitled to this career. You have to do the work and you have to be good. And you have to show that you don't want to be a star. You want to be a great comedian. Right. In order for you to open for me, if you're going to approach me, you got to show that you want to do the same hustle that I came up doing. Right. Yeah. And there's definitely different schools of stand-up. You know, like there's different people that have different values. There, there are comics that, aren't, that don't come from that. And they are, you know, they're big on social media or they've Nowadays, in movies yes. or something. And, and that's... And the lifespan of that, how long is it? Yeah, it's much shorter. We're starting to see the uh, come around of that. It's very short. Oh, you think so? You think that's going away already? I don't think it's going away. I think we're seeing that it doesn't have longevity. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you want to be a great comedian? It's hard. It yeah. takes too long. You know, um, I ha- I was lucky, and this is what's good about coming from a theater experience, is I had a theater teacher, professor, who used to say, if you want to be a star, I'm not talking to you, you know, if you want to do the work, if you want to be a great actress, that's something else. She used to also insult. She's like, if you want to do sitcoms, I'm not here for you. If you want to be a great actress. Oh, this is interesting. Yes. I've never, uh, this is the first time I've heard someone say that I'm not interested in someone that wants to be a star. I'm interested in someone that wants to be a great comedian. I, I've not heard that uh, put together like that, mm-hmm. but it's, it's Well, good. what are you working towards? If yeah. you want to be a star, 
you're not working on the craft really you're working on something else yeah. you have a whole different mindset and the way you approach things is a bit more look being a star is a great thing right uh, you know but I myself, I'm not a star, so I, I could see your listen. I could hear your listeners going, "Well, she's not like a star, so what? What do I? Why do I gotta listen to her?" Yeah, but you know, if you look at some of the stars who aren't great comedians, you will see right now, it's exposed. They get exposed. Oh yeah, they're extremely insecure. They're the ones that don't want you to open for them because right. they are insecure. Right. So you know how you prevent all of that? Be good. Yeah, I mean, being good is the best way to go about things. Be good. Because Look at our president. This is why he's the president, is because he's not good. He's trending, which was trending. You know what it is? Trending yeah. is the new <laughs> <He's> trend. trending. <laughs> to trend is the trend. Yeah. Yeah, and it goes away fast. It does. Uh, yeah, I always tell people, like, you want to be ready when you get opportunities. Like, if you do hit and you do meet a couple people or you do catch a break, you get on TV or you get in a movie or something, and then all of a sudden you're able to headline out of nowhere, you want to be able to headline. And so you got to, in order, you want to be as close as and they, possible they to that. they usually do end up headlining without being able to headline. And, right, and you it's know bad. what they'll do. Well, they get a lot of a cushion. Oh, yeah, I know. So they'll get like a couple of people to do the shows up front because they can't do the time. Right. And um, and and it'll they'll work for them for a while, so that could they could just make the money. Right. Yeah. Or they'll play like they'll play games or they'll and do that's fine. they'll do things if that's, that's not the type stand up. If yeah. Yeah. Sure. If sure. that's what you want to do, just don't DM me. Yeah. Right. That's just not like what this group of comics that is trying to be the best comic. That's just not what they're doing. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I mean, that's like, that's really like the mentality that I come from and that I'm trying to like cultivate in my rooms. And it's different than a lot of stuff that's like in L.A. It's like a little bit different. I feel like there's like a bigger group of people that are doing things in a, in a different way that are more. I don't know. I, the L.A. scene, I don't. I don't fuck with that L.A. scene. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know people who lived in New York who go out to L.A. and they miss New York because they don't get up as often. Sure. And see, that's my thing is like I just love I love doing stand up. I love getting on stage. Yeah. That would kill me if I was just getting up like once a month. Uh huh. Like the idea of that destroys me. Like I just couldn't. But, you know, hey, I don't begrudge them either. Some people are out in L.A. and they mm. love it. So do you want to do you want to do um, like any of like your own projects like that outside of stand up? I mean, you have a podcast. Mm -hmm. Do you do you have like a vision for things or do you want to like just keep going with stand up? I mean, I do all kinds of things, whether I want to or not. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I do acting and um, like when I did Amy's movie, that was acting. Uh -huh. When I do panel discussions, I get called to do. Pan I'm doing some panel discussion about design, and uh -huh. they want comics to go. And that's sure. unusual. And then I write. So I wrote on divorce, you know, on oh, nice. HBO for a while because I wrote a pilot for Sarah Jessica Parker's company, and they saw me do stand up, and they said, "Would you be interested in working on?" on writing a show, developing your own show, and they nurtured my writing. Uh, and it was really good. They didn't pick it up, but it got me a, a writing job on HBO, and I got to learn that aspect, whereas I didn't think it was something, you know, being in a writer's room is not something that I 
planned on. Uh huh. But how did you like it? It was scary. Okay. It was because I didn't. I it was I like. Starting it's funny to think of that being scary compared to stand up. Because it's it's like a different form. It's, yeah, it's new. Well, you're new again. Yeah. And I've never been a good new person. It's tough to be new. I've never been a good new person. Yeah, you're reserved. I I just mess up a lot. That's what I'm gonna say. Like and so. And writers' rooms can be scary, especially if you're black, because there are not a lot of there, were, and especially then. I think now it's getting better, but if you're the only one in the room, there's pressure on you to represent for everyone. Yeah. And um, or sometimes make sure that they uh, do things right when it comes to us. Oh uh, yeah. And so, I oddly went back into some weird childhood space, like when I was a kid. Uh huh. Growing up in a white neighborhood, if I I felt all of that, it was weird. You felt just like it was when you were growing up. Yeah, like you were reliving it. I was like, why do I, the need to uh, impress? Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, the need to be liked, um, the need to come have yourself being understood uh-huh. when you're writing in a in a writer's room in a group setting. Yeah. Did you find yourself having to say like having to stop them and be like, this is not a good portrayal or I didn't stop them but a couple of times like it's funny like if I really felt something at times like I w- my body would just get really hot yeah. and I was like you gotta say it and um that used to happen to me when I was in junior high school because I was like one of those teenagers I had a lot of issues and I used to cry a lot and write a lot of poetry and shit so I felt that coming back upon me where I was like this is an injustice this moment uh-huh. In this writing room. Say it. And then I sounded crazy, I'm sure. Um but I, yeah, I did have a moment. I think there was one scene where Sarah Jessica is to go into a neighbor's home to use the phone and I just mentioned I thought it would be interesting if the neighborhood's house was not a white person. Uh-huh. Aesthetically, it looks funnier if she has to use the phone because she's locked out in someone's house and realizes her neighbors are ethnically ambiguous, you know, yeah. I- ambiguous or whatever. And they thought that was a really they used it. Oh, yeah, that is a good idea. And it was funny to see her go into that house and see. I think they were Indian. I'm not sure. It adds an extra color. an extra level of uh, n- you know, un- uncomfortable nature when you're going into Already you're in someone else's house, which is weird. Yeah. No matter what. I mean, the show's called Divorce. And I think a lot of times in fights, you end up in situations where you're dealing with strangers. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you see their world and they're like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. So um, that was like, that was my claim to fame, that moment. I loved it. Yeah? Yeah. That's cool. And I love seeing it. Did you, do you have a preference between like writing, acting, stand-up? I love writing when I get a chance to um if i you know a couple of projects i've been doing or thinking about is i go dancing once a week okay so what kind of dancing house music okay i know <laughs> a lot of his this is dc so they like uh what is it called uh go 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 music i'm gonna cut out that pause and make it seem like i, I said that immediately <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like so, I'm from Chicago, which is the home of house music, and uh, well, I love it, and I still go out, and I d- and I at my age, it, and I'm older, everyone who loves house music still loves it. So there's a lot uh-huh. of old folks going out. That's so funny. I love seeing the scene, and I've been sort of writing 
some of that. Oh, that's that's a good. That's nice. I yeah, like that. yeah. Because I like seeing that world, and yeah, because I'm in it so much, that so that's different from stand up because totally it's a different. whole different world. And there's a lot of like um, stories that I've come from with that. It fits well into. I'm trying to say it without putting too much. Yeah. In it, people steal your ideas. The next thing you know. It, uh, it it fits well in with like the I think the trend toward comedies and dramas that are m- kind of kind of blended um, where there it's there's funny stuff in it there's a lot of serious stuff in it it's it, it's not just just dumb and silly it's like it's interesting yeah. and funny at the same time um, so we were talking last night and you you told me that you you've been diagnosed with breast cancer mm-hmm. you're about to start treatment on it it's a very intense. Um, and thank you for deciding to do the show anyway. Uh, you still came and did the weekend, which is like, which does go to show like how much you love stand up and like how much you, how much you care about it. And, uh, I don't know. How are you feeling about everything? I'm up and down. Like I, I think I told you that I'm working, I'm doing a documentary net right now or filming one with for Jessica Kirsten and they interviewed me and you know i've been doing material on stage i've started working it out and you know it's it's good it's good material it's you know it's new um but it feels important Mm -hmm. Uh, for the first time i'm not just writing about dating yeah and it's taken me out of what i'm used to doing and it but it feels right uh, so the statistics is one in 14 used to be women have breast cancer, but now it's one in four. Wow. And I have seven close friends who have breast cancer. Wow. So at first I was thinking maybe it's just, you know, uh, I'm thinking about this because I have it. You know how you think, oh, you know. Yes, yes. If, if you, s- you have the color pink, all of a sudden you see pink everywhere. Uh-huh. Um, you have cancer, you all of a sudden you start seeing cancer everywhere. And... Um, but the reality is it is an epidemic. And and when I realized how many friends of mine that have breast cancer, I was like, this is almost like weird. But I'm running into people who are like catching a cold. Right. And so the and the experiences that I had, I would oftentimes talk to Keith, you know, Robinson about. And he was like, you got to get on stage, stupid. <laughs> and he couldn't speak to that because, you know, he had a stroke. Yeah. And he was on stage right away talking. Well, not right away, but he was eventually, you know, talking about it. And Colin Quinn had the heart attack. Yeah. And he was on stage talking about it. And he was like, if you don't do it now, stupid, the story's gone. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, <laughs> I guess I should talk about it. And it feels right. It feels good. And the thing is, is that at times, like on that documentary, when I talked about it, I started crying. And I was like, no. I'm like, you don't want to be vulnerable? I, well, I don't want to be like one of those last comic standing comics that start crying in the camera. And then all of a sudden we're like, oh, my God, I feel sad for you. Make them number one. I want to I want <laughs> it, it to seems be a little bit different than last comic standing. I w- uh, you know, when you're crying, though, some of the dumbest things come out of your mouth. Like I was <laughs> crying and I was like, <laughs> she was like, what was that moment like when you found out? And I was like, what do you mean? I just. My life just flashed before my eyes. I used to write poetry, the poems. I was like, what am I saying? Like, I yeah. looked back at that moment. I was like, oh, my God. I must have sounded like an idiot. And, and I know it's good to be vulnerable, but you could still sound like an idiot. 
I did an interview. <laughs> I did an interview um, about a comic who had a very serious health scare on stage, and on stage, wow. he ended up he, he ended up being okay and everything. And I thought, you know, I thought I was perfectly fine. I was just talking about it. I was talking to the dude, and I started crying. And I, I tried to talk through crying, it's which not which easy. was a mistake. You have to if you start crying, you have to stop talking have and you compose yourself. Yeah, I've done that where I've stopped. But the comic in me is like, you don't have enough time. You need to get back into the world. Yeah, yeah, that's how I felt. And that's why I, I tried to do it. And I sound, I just, I sounded absurd. And uh, so we're like in the back of Big Hunt doing this interview. And the guys are like setting the room up. They're setting the chairs and sound up. And, uh, you know, we stopped, we, you know, we finished the interview. And I, I kind of stand up and turn around. And this one dude's looking at me like, what the fuck, dude? Like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm, I didn't know. I'm just, it just happened, man. Yeah, I didn't it know it was going to happen. Over. You know, and the thing is, is doing that material this weekend has been meaningful. Like, yeah. I was really glad when you asked me to come here because it, I knew you didn't know when you were asking about the dates while I was like taking so long and trying to figure it out. Oh, no, no. But it was because I was trying to figure out when my treatment would start and it's a long process. So I was diagnosed like in March and n now I'm going to treatment. Like sometimes people think, oh, you got diagnosed. Oh, yeah, you would go immediately. You That's would go what immediately, I would think too. you would get it out. And no, it's a long road. Yeah. You, gotta, you gotta get the right doctor. Well, sometimes that takes a long time. Yeah. You actually do have time. Um, mine was caught early. Yeah. So I did have the time to sort of uh, have the surgery, advocate and get the right doctor. Right. Because uh, the first doctor I had was telling too many Trump, Trump jokes. I think he because I was oh. a comedian. He thought that was OK. Oh, yeah. And I was like, nah. And then I had a friend who had breast cancer, Jenny Saldana, who's a comedian. And she referred me to a really good breast surgeon who's yeah. a black woman who she's incredible. I mean, uh, she wasn't at the best hospital, but yeah. So advocating for yourself takes some time. Yeah. And it's important. It's really makes a huge difference to have doctors that you feel comfortable with and that are going to do a good job because not all of them, not all of them are good. There's a lot of bad doctors out there. Bad every every profession. There's bad people. Yeah. And you, g it's important to like. Well, they get those god complexes where they think you just are so happy to be in their presence, and it's like, no, nah, I could fire you. Yeah. And I so when you asked me about the dates, uh, I wasn't sure if I'd be able to. Then I talked to my doctor, and she's like, I can extend you this time so that you could get your business done, and then. She wants me to check my fertility. Mm -hmm. So you need to do that before you go through radiation. Okay. Um, and get on a pill that they give you because then after you get on that pill, you can't really get pregnant while you're going through treatment. Okay. So. Yeah, it makes sense. I have to say, like, this was the right decision. This was nice to be That's here. That's great. I love D.C. I've, I mean, you know what's funny? It's like I'll go to other places and I'll say that and not mean it. <laughs> Cause, and I, I'm not good at faking it. Yeah, so yeah. sometimes I just don't say anything. So yeah, if I come to your city and uh -huh. you notice I never say I like it here, it's because I don't. You really don't like it. And if you say you like it, even then you might not like it. You can tell when I don't like something, <laughs> yeah. though. It's best I not say it. You can tell when I don't like something, too. But uh, there's something about D.C. I just fucking love. It's just good people. Maybe it's because I don't live here that I feel that way. Yeah, maybe. But I <laughs> It's a fine place. I think it's a I fine place I to be. People are good here. I yeah. mean, I really... There's a... 
and, and it's not good in like a small town way where they don't know. They're right. smart and good. Yeah, yeah. Which Very is smart. a great combination. Yeah. You don't want them to be small town nice and kind of dumb where you have to explain everything. Like, of course. this is what a Jewish person is, okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, by the way, I'm 11.7%, so I can say these things. Oh, okay. I just did my, uh, I had to do my, uh, you know, when you get diagnosed, you want to find out everything that's going on genetically. So I had to do that because of the BRCA, BRCA gene. It's okay. sometimes like with if you're Ashkenazi, they have a tendency to have carry the BRCA gene. Okay. So the doctor asked me that first before doing the genetic test to uh-huh. see if I have a disposition to get cancer. Because now women. So what it was the result? If the BRCA gene is there, um, then you would get a mastectomy. Okay. Because that means your likelihood to get breast cancer is high. I see. That's what Angelina Jolie did. I see. And so that's the new thing. That's what women have been doing for like, I think, 10 years now. Okay. I would say since Angelina Jolie did it. Right. Really. It's like if they have the BRCA gene. And some women don't have the BRCA gene. They just don't want to go back through this experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they just decide on a double mastectomy and they get it removed. Yeah. I had a lumpectomy. Okay. Because I like my breasts. Yeah, that's a really I intense decision. I like the way decision. they sit. Yeah. <laughs> I like the way they are. I may regret this at some point if it returns. But yeah, but, you know, you're making the best decision you can. Yeah, my surgeon was like, I really feel like we can preserve your breast and, you know, keep it there. And, and so she decided on the lumpectomy. Yeah, you got to trust your doctors. You know, if you got a doctor that you that you feel good about and that's the advice they give you. Yeah, and then some women, but you still have the option. Even in my case, I could have said, nope. I want them removed. Yeah. And she would have done that. That's the new, I think Bill Clinton did that. Really? Yeah, because his mother died of breast cancer. I got to read up on that. But his mother, so that's why for any woman that's getting breast cancer treatment, they have the, especially a mastectomy, Mm -hmm. they can get a plastic surgery. It's part of it. No, no insurance company is going to deny you that. If you get a mastectomy. You get a lumpectomy, it's different. Yeah. Because it's not much of removal and it's like it heals heals yeah. better so my stuff still looks good baby <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, i tell. always see people looking after i've told them they can't help it there it's hard not to yeah jeff but ross was like marina you we all know you've had the breast best breasts mm-hmm. you have the best breast in the business <laughs> luckily you got a big flannel shirt on so it's no i know uh, so uh, you're it's safe not, it's not you are holding yourself though a little tighter than you did yeah i don't <laughs> it's not, you know you're like look the other way yeah we're talking about breasts it's, <laughs> it's normal uh-huh. yeah so yeah so that's the thing you have to make these choices and you have to be comfortable and sure of it and that's a hard thing when you you're not yourself a doctor of course and yeah and you're just like am i being selfish am i being dumb is this short-sighted but this is important to me like do i have to cut off part of my body just to be safe and it's all probabilities that you don't know the answer to you know you're just that's why you're just you're making your best your your best guess and listening to your advice of the people you trust yeah advocating i mean you know i went in a lot of times you would think because it's cancer that these people would act different, but they it's a job and you got to really make them see you as human. That's why I took my cat a couple of times because they seem to really like animals more than people. 
No, <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> but it was true that I would go in and I, I would talk about my cat. And, and all of a sudden they'd be like, oh, my God. I was like, yeah, but what about me? Um, remember? Animals are very cute. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so black women, take a cat with you every you time you go in. You got to take a cat and they'll treat you better. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I'm really glad that you were able to come and I'm glad that you're working out the material and I hope that uh, everything goes smoothly for you. Everything is good. I caught it early. Mm-hmm. This is very important. Ladies, if you're, you know, they say you usually catch it with another man. They Not breast cancer. It's, <laughs> not, it's not like men are carrying breast cancer. Okay. But you usually will find it with this your person you're with oh a guy will tell you a guy will tell you he feels something or you will feel something uh-huh. usually during sex right so uh, you know the whole like rah 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 it's okay to be single huh maybe not so you're saying your advice to women is have a lot of sex go hook up with people from time to time. make sure you're <laughs> hooking up with people uh, at least every how what do you recommend once a how, month once a month you need to hook up once a get month some random dude is, you, I mean, you could do it in the shower on your own, but it's a little and better. And this is considered just a screening. Yeah, you could screen their balls, too. Yeah, screen. It's, just, you know, it's, it's, it's a mutual screening. Checkups. Well, thank you very much thank for doing you. the podcast, Marina. It's good to see you. Good to see you. For more information about our live shows, check out undergroundcomedydc.com.